Mm, hello, and welcome to episode 29 of Curiosityness. This is Travis DeRose. I'm the host of the show, and this episode I have on George from ImagineNerding.com. And George is pretty freaking fun to talk to. He knows everything about roller coasters and Disney history. He's ridden over 140 coasters. He does reviews on that stuff. He has read, I forgot, like over a thousand books on Disney history, and he does reviews on that. He used to have a podcast on this stuff, so he's super, super knowledgeable about uh, Disney history and just theme park and amusement park history. And those are not the same thing, by the way. History or theme parks and amusement parks are different, but we talk about that. So, if you're at all into theme parks or Disney or anything like that, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Um, so here is George, and we are going. What's up, George? Ah, nothing much. Just excited to be on your podcast. This is going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on too because you do fun stuff. I try to do fun stuff. Let's see. When, I, when I'm not doing, well, actually, I was going to say when I'm not at my regular job, but I love my regular job. So oh, that's, that's okay. Good. That's good. Enjoy. Good. Love my job and then love my side hobby of studying all the Disney and the theme parks and everything else. Wow. So Life's good, huh, George? Yeah, I try. I try. I try. <laughs> Sweet, man. Well, let's just get into it. Yeah. So I guess how would you, can you kind of describe what you do or what your site is to people? Like when you meet somebody, what do you say you do? Sure, sure. Uh, so imaginerding.com. I have to give all the props to my younger brother. Um, came up with the name and he name. went, I, I was impressed with it as well. And it, it, he went to, a, he went on a family trip in 2007 and saw so many people that were like disappointed and, you know, in the middle of Epcot yelling at each other. And screaming, you know, because it's it's hot. They paid a lot of money. The kids aren't happy. And he said, I want to come back and do something. I want to help people make their trips a lot more enjoyable and a lot more fun. Okay. So I said, okay, let's start this website because that was all cool in 2007. Everybody's starting a blog. Oh, let's yeah. do it. And after like a month, he said, well, you know what? I've got too much on my plate as is. So you can do it. And then I just merged into what Imagineerding is today, which is just looking at a, the history of Disney parks, the history of theme parks, um, a roller coaster fanatic, and you know Disney history, really. And when people ask me what I do, in addition to my day job where um, I am a librarian, so that goes along with the books and everything else and the research and the studying. Mm-hmm. I just tell people I love theme parks and amusement park history. That's what I like to do. And they're like, okay. But I, I live in central Florida. Uh, I've been here for four or five months now. So it's second nature to people like, oh, you're one of those people that goes to all the parks and does everything. But but yes. I've been doing this for more than 10 years. So I have a blast with it, enjoy it. And yeah, always happy to talk to people about Parks. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congrats on 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah. 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 Just something I've just kept going. I've had lots of other different things we've, uh, that I've done and written for, you know, had a big podcast called communal core weekly that lasted for five years. And, uh, I YouTube now, which is fun for my, my weekend adventures as I tell friends and I'll, I'll show you all of my, uh, uh, annual passes in a bit. But as I tell friends, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got, what, 
10 parks to choose from every weekend where I'm going to go. It's a tough choice. So I try to I try to vlog about my weekend adventures, just checking out what's new at the parks and then throw in history, you know, and the, and the latest latest rides. Right on. So is that one of the reasons why you moved to Florida? Yes, actually it's the reason I moved to Florida. It's the reason, right on. I, yeah, the uh, uh my my origin story because I know we'll get to that. Yes. Everybody has to has a good origin story. Probably when I was like um four or five or six, lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. Friends came back from a trip to Disney World in the mid-70s with a Viewmaster. And it had a reel, uh, you know, from Magic Kingdom. And I saw the Haunted Mansion. And that was my dream, to get to the Haunted Mansion. It took me almost 20 years to get down there. Oh, man. My, my parents never took me. They were like, nah, we thought about it. But we're like, eh. It's probably too much of a problem. So when my wife and I, you know, on our one year anniversary, we went down to the uh, to Disney uh, first trip there and I was hooked. And from that moment, I wanted to get down here. But, you know, it's just waiting till the right job came open and everything. But, hey, Central Florida, all these parks, you know, the Orlando airport, I can fly anywhere in the world cheap. So, mm, yeah. And coming to California in June. Oh, nice. Uh, Coaster Con. With uh, the American Coaster Enthusiast. So I'll be up at Six Flags Magic Mountain. Wow, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's the American Coaster Enthusiast. It's probably about five or 6,000 people that love coasters. And Whoa. they travel all over the world and the country riding coasters That's and talking awesome. about them. Yeah. Sweet. It's, it's different. So, yeah. So, yeah, it took, me, it took me 20 years to get down to Disney and then another 20 years to move down here. I might be slow, but... I get things done. You get there. But yeah. So I'm here so I can in, enjoy the parks on the weekend, mm-hmm. which yeah. is awesome because you're, you're in Southern California, right? I am, yes. So you can hit Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, whenever you feel like it, basically. Very true, yeah. See, see that's exciting. Yeah, that's this exciting. is probably – Florida's probably the, the theme park capital of the world, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is. is probably number two over here in Southern California. I think so. Yeah. The only other place you'd probably want to be except for the snow and the ice is like the middle of Ohio. Oh, because really? yeah, you have Cedar Point, Kings Island, Holiday World, Kings Dominion, Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, all the Six Flags parks on the East Coast. You're within like four or five driving hours. Oh, I didn't of all these parks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm I'm a font of ridiculous information. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've like <laughs> how many books have you read on the subject? Well, I I don't know how many I've read. I do have – no one's challenged me, so I'm taking the title of the world's largest privately held book collection about theme parks and amusement parks in Disney. And I probably have about 1,300 different books in my collection. Wow. Yeah. I know when we did the CommuniCore Weekly show, the YouTube – I mean the podcast, it was weekly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, CommuniCore Weekly. That makes sense. And one (laughs) of the segments was, yeah, George's Book of the Week. So for five years, 52 episodes – I reviewed a book. Yeah, that's a lot so, of books adding up there. A lot of books. That's a lot of books. Wow. And you yeah. don't just own the books like most people. You've actually read them. Oh, I read them cover to cover, yeah. make notes, do things, uh, you know, for uh, just to be annoying when I'm in the parks. <laughs> like, hey, did you know about that over there? Did you know about that? But yeah. also for Imagineerding, so I can write articles about, you know, Disney history and theme park history. Mm-hmm. That's 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 what I love. That's what you're all about. So, yeah, it must yes. be it must be hard to restrain yourself when you go to a park and you know like so much that you just want to share with everybody, right? 
Or when you see people or hear people and they're like, hey, uh, the other day I was at Epcot. I was only in Epcot. Nobody hate me for 20 minutes. I parked, walked in the park, got the pass holder magnet, and then left and went to SeaWorld. Okay. So, you know, I can do that. But somebody was walking by Spaceship Earth, you know, the big giant golf ball at the beginning of the park. And they said, hey, this used to be decorated like the planet Mars. And I went, huh? <laughs> okay, I don't have time to uh, <laughs> right, yeah. give you the full history lesson. But that's I, I just love hearing people's misconceptions about yeah. the park. It's, it's always like, where did that come from? That's a weird that's, one. Yeah, I so said that's uh, maybe they'd seen some concept art because Epcot originally was golden in color from some of the original concept artwork. Oh, okay. But but I doubt they would have known that they didn't look nerdy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weird, some false memory or something maybe. That's that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to figure out where to start, but I think you wanted. Are you? You at least mentioned that there is kind of maybe a misconception or a difference between uh, a theme park and amusement park, right? Yeah, a lot of people do that interchangeably. They use those terms for just about anything. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of history, but this is the Curiosityness podcast. That's what we're all about. Yep. Is doing that so the people may not care, but they're going to listen to it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. So there's an argument about, you know, the theme park basically. Walt Disney was the one to coin his organization, coin the term theme park with Disneyland. Okay. Before that, it was the term amusement park. So it goes back to Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana, or Knott's Berry Farm, fight each other over which is the actual first theme park. Okay. Yeah, Knott's has a big banner saying they're the world's first theme park, whatever. It's I'll let them duke it out. But it's sort of like a a square and a rectangle. Mm Mm-hmm. So you know, like a rectangle can be a square, but a square can't be a rectangle. Okay. So a theme park can be an amusement park, but an amusement park cannot be a theme park. Because an amusement park is just a collection of rides mismatched together, usually with a admission gate and you're charging it in. But a theme park, once you're inside, you, you of course don't feel like you're in the real world. The Magic Kingdom, Disneyland are perfect examples where they've got hyper-themed realities around you. So... You don't feel like you're in the real world or you don't feel like you're at a, an amusement park. You actually feel like you're in New Orleans Square. Right. You know, okay. Which is, you know, or when you visit Universal and you go into Diagon Alley or something like that, you feel like you're in the wizarding world. You know, the okay. outside world is there. So a theme park is just uh, different lands and it's highly themed and you lose all sense of where you are is, is a broad, broad explanation. Right. Okay. So our definition of it. So would but it yeah, – so, and is an amusement park more kind of like a fair carnival type of thing? Yeah, that's what you would see. The flat rides, the spinning rides, the dark rides. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'd Of course, roller coasters, things like that. But it'd be more like a carnival. Okay. That sort of thing. And then, of course, Universal, the Disney parks, SeaWorld are more of the theme parks because they spend a lot of time and effort and money mm-hmm. on their theme. Right. So Makes sense. Yeah, but it's... Yeah, it's, it's I, I cringe a little inside when people just use those terms interchangeably. I'm like, oh, yes. so. <laughs> well, I did. I that's, was that's, ignorant. I had no idea. That's okay. <clears throat> now, now you know. Now they I know. know. Half the battle, or anyway, there's a <laughs> meme in there somewhere that my kids would tell me, but yeah, yes. I don't know about that. So, but yeah, uh-huh. so but but one of my projects is you know looking at the history of amusement parks, how we got from 
you know, tracing it back to the even before the World's Fairs that we held uh, here in the early part of the 1900s and in Europe, what was before them, the pleasure gardens like Tivoli as a pleasure garden to what we would consider, you know, the world's greatest parks, like in Orlando and Disneyland. Mm-hmm. You know, how did we get to those? So yeah. it just fascinates me, just fascinates me, as well as the different rides. And, you know, because when people say Coney Island, you think of, oh, that's just a park in, you know, the New York area. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually an island. And it started um, with like three or four parks that evolved and changed. Oh, I so, didn't realize that. So. Yeah, so it's not just like mm-hmm. Coney Island wasn't one park; it was multiple parks okay. over time. And you know, the shoot the shoots uh, were developed in Chicago, which are like the sort of like uh, the big boats that go; they just go over the hill and they splash down. Oh, okay. That's a that's a shoot ride, mm-hmm. which is different from what like Splash Mountain, which is just a log flume ride, but the same concept. So a lot of these rides and attractions were developed in the early. Uh, 1900s, late 1800s. Yeah. With the development parks, and the only things that really changed were safety standards. Okay. Yeah. I was curious you know, about that. That's, yeah. Yeah. Safety standards were the big ones. Um, was it? Uh, oh, I'm gonna get my names wrong, and coaster fans are gonna yell at me. John Miller invented the uh, upstop for roller coasters in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. So before and before that time period, most roller coasters. <clears throat> You know, they didn't go more than five or six miles an hour. And you basically sat on a couch. And, yeah, there were no safety, no safety restraints, nothing like that at all. Right. And uh, you see video and they're wearing their top hats. They've got their canes with them when they're on the ride. Mm -hmm. And they're all gravity. But they were in sort of the wheels were in an L-shaped trough so that they wouldn't move side to side, which kept them on the track. There were two like L-shaped troughs that faced each other. Okay. So the, so the coaster would sit inside that L-shaped trough. And you had a lot of people. The, the coaster would get be a little too heavy or anything like that, and they would flip out. And people would die, you know, before John Miller created the upstop, which was basically like a bracket that the wheel sat inside. So if you think of a bracket on a keyboard – the wheel would sit inside the bracket so it couldn't go up or down or move sideways. And that's okay. why we do, that's why we can do loops. That's why we can do all these weird, crazy things on coasters. So it's a relatively modern invention. Wow. So, okay. So I know I, I have, we, we probably should have done a separate podcast on the history of roller coasters, the history of <laughs> parks. So, <laughs> well, no, that's like, that's just, just crazy. So yeah. So there's what, they were just like an L, and the carts would yeah. literally sometimes just kind of fly off. Just flip out and fall over, and, you know, this is the early 1910s. Yeah. The very first loops were called the Flip Flap Railroad, and there was another one that were at the uh, it's Coney Island in like 1901 or 1902, and they had to close them down because mm-hmm. they figured out they were pulling multiple Gs in a perfect loop, which is hard on the body. You look at uh, most loops; they're teardrop shape because okay. it works well on the human body with centrifugal force. Uh-huh. The, the first, and there were there were deaths; there were people breaking their necks on these, and, and people paid more to watch people than they did to ride them. Right. And they're crazy. If you if you Google or look on YouTube for the flip flap railway, because they were called railways, uh-huh. you will 
you will be terrified. The flip flap. Yeah, I can imagine it's just like the wild west of these these guys just trying stuff and yeah. seeing what people would go on and, you know. And what killed them or didn't kill them. Yeah. There weren't safety standards for a long time, probably until like the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. I guess. So, <laughs> so I know, I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So with these, like, I guess this is kind of the like the L tracks and all that kind of stuff in these, you know, the flip flap that was in what, like 1910s kind of yeah, and stuff? like 1902, that oh, early okay. part of the century. Yeah. Those are some of the first, uh, the first roller coasters were in the 1870s and 1880s. Oh, okay. So they've been around for a while. Those are the very slow, they were called, um, friction railway railways. They were usually called railways mm-hmm. of some sorts. Okay. But yeah, they didn't have that safety until 1920 and, there's a beautiful coaster at Kennywood in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. uh, called Jack Rabbit. And it's a 1920 or 1921 coaster. So almost 100 years old. And it's fantastic. They only put a seatbelt on it like 10 years ago. Because <laughs> okay. you, you get so much air time, you know, when, you're, when your body comes out of the seat, and you feel yeah. it in your stump. That's my favorite is air time. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can still all across the country, you can still find great examples of these older coasters mm-hmm. that are still operating, you wow. know, compared to these three, 400 feet beasts that you can ride as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, what were they like these older ones? What were they? I mean, you said you were going slower most of the time, but I mean, if there's a mm-hmm. loop, you got to get some speed. So like, how are these guys, yeah. how are they kind of propelled? Were they just gravity? Well, was there a... Yeah. The first couple roller coasters, they, they only had a few that were loops, uh-huh. you know, around 1901 or 1902 because of the, they, they, they just stopped making them. You know, the heyday in the 1920s, there were probably 28 or 2,900 roller coasters across the country. Wow. Every town had a small little amusement park or a trolley park. Mm-hmm. And they would have a coaster or two, a, a nice wooden coaster. So yeah, they would have a lift hill just like we see today. You know, the okay. clickety clackety, clickety clackety that takes you up to the top, and the rest of the ride is simply on gravity. Okay. So you would go towards the end, but you're still even the hills aren't like they are now. I mean, you're talking twenty, thirty feet in the air was monumental mm-hmm. at the time. So you would still go down the hill probably hit seven or eight to 10 miles an hour and the rest of the ride would be nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but they were, they were all over because they were wooden. They caught on fire. The parks would catch on fire. I, yeah. I mean, we're probably down to what three or 400 amusement parks in the United States now compared to the three or 4,000 in the twenties. Wow. So big change, but the yeah. cars change that too. You know, people mm-hmm. could travel further. So Yeah. I, 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 we can go off on as many tangents as you want to. Yeah, let's do it. I'm tangent. I'm, I'm tangent. I'm tangent. Tangential. Anyway, <laughs> enough about that. So, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. That it took it took like 20 years to figure out just to put a like a yeah kind of cup the wheels it, in there. But yeah, it's crazy. like a stopgap that one person came up with it, and his coasters are still around. You can still ride a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. The Jackrabbit at Candy, as I mentioned, is one of them. And then you know, coasters sort of died. Um, Disneyland built the Matterhorn in 1959, mm-hmm. which was a teal tubular, teal, steel tubular. I don't think it was teal, steel tubular <laughs> roller coaster. And it was pretty revolutionary. And wow. um, just because it was a round tube, so they could curve it and bend it. And they could do things they couldn't do on a wooden coaster. 
Right. It was still fairly expensive to build it, so it didn't catch on. And the roller coaster craze didn't start up again until 1973, 72. I'm going to get in trouble with my years when they opened Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio. And John Allen uh, with the Philadelphia Toboggan Company, which is a massive roller coaster company. They're still around today, PTC. Mm -hmm. He, He built the racer at Kings Island, which was featured on the Brady Bunch episode. And that sort of kicked off the coaster revolution in the 70s with building uh, just a return to roller coasters, people building them. You had Six Flags parks popping up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then in the mid-70s, Aero Development, which had worked for Disney and built almost everything at Disneyland in the 50s and everything at Six Flags over Texas in the 60s. Wow. uh, Aero created the first major steel coasters and they did the first um looping coasters and corkscrews mm-hmm. and that just took the next level yep and then the 80s and the 90s higher faster inversions yeah you know you have like you know king to Ka at what six flags great america in new jersey that goes like what 415 feet straight up in the air it looks like a paper clip <laughs> goes up comes down oh man yeah. Crazy. Yeah, there's so, so many coasters out there yeah so but yeah, but yeah, most of I feel like we keep I'm just pulling you around in circles. Um, you know, a lot of what you know I research and look at, of course, is Disney history. Yeah, and I know that's what you had contacted me about originally. You had worked, you had done the college program, right? I did. Yeah, I lived in Florida for three months and and did the whole okay. college program thing there. And yeah, okay. where did you work? I worked on uh, Main Street in uh, the Magic okay. Kingdom. Yeah, so I had a pretty oh, good job just kind of setting up for the parade, you know, pretty easy. Kind of got to hang out and talk to people, and it was a good okay. little gig. It was fun. It was like a three-month vacation, honestly. Like, yeah. I, you know, got to go to the parks all the time. I really only worked like two days a week. Like, the money okay. wasn't – I didn't really need the money at the time. <laughs> it <wasn't> for the money. <laughs> yeah, so it was just like I was kind of giving away my shifts, you know, to people who wanted them. I was like, sure, take yeah. it, you know. And then I would just spend my time because I could go to all the parks for free. And I lived right there basically 20 minutes away and went to all the parks, got a Universal Pass too, went to Universal a bunch mm-hmm. of times. So it was it was great. Yeah. What year was that? Not to pry. I don't want everybody to know your age. That was probably 2014. Okay, that's not too far away then. So you got to see all the Wizarding World stuff, and yes. I guess you don't travel this side of the country as much since you're located in California. Yeah, not too often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I saw okay. the the Wizarding World thing. They hadn't opened like the second, the Diagon Alley part yet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I, I still want to see the one at Universal in California. Mm-hmm. See how well that compares, because my favorite my favorite themed spot in the entire world was always New Orleans Square at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. You get stuck back in there, and you completely forget you're in a theme park. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like a park. I didn't feel that again until I walked into Diagon Alley at Universal, yeah. where you you go through, and not not the first one they did, but the second one um, is, is mind boggling. Oh, really? I, I'll just I'll just walk around, and it it's amazing how good of uh, placemaking they did. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they've opened the new Avatar Pandora at Animal Kingdom. Oh. which is breathtaking. You know, the animal kingdom has the Pandora land and don't ask me why they chose Pandora. I have no idea. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it's beautiful and you really don't feel like you're in Florida, but it doesn't have the warm and fuzzies like New Orleans square or uh, the wizarding world. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't want to walk around Diagon Alley? Yeah. I know I do. Right. I do. So, but yeah, so uh, once I, uh, when my brother and I started this uh, back in 2007, it was really just like he wanted to do, help people with his trips. And as I said earlier, was mainly wanting to express my passion for Disney and Disney history and all the reading that I did mm-hmm. about it. So it's been a, a huge journey for me to sort of understand theme design and themed entertainment and what goes on with it. Because it's not just a theme park. I mean, you know, all the people that created it. And I was going somewhere with a story and now I forgot. <laughs> okay. So that's what's that's what you know. Having a conversation with me, we'll probably finish it in like you know a half hour once we uh, <laughs> go there. But that's all right. I, I'm super passionate about Disney World history, <clears throat> Walt Disney World history. You know the early days, the construction of it, mm-hmm. who was involved, what it looked like in the '70s compared to today. Because I'll, I'll still run across and ask people, you know, are you familiar with this? And they're like, I never even heard of this ride or this pavilion or this shop. Mm-hmm. So that's that's probably my passion when it comes to Disney is investigating uh, the strange and yeah. the unknown of Walt Disney World history. The um, one of my favorite finds. Uh, this was probably back in. Let's see where was I in my life? Where was I working? That's how I figured out. Um, probably like around two thousand and nine or ten or something like that. Ran across a brochure for Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. And was looking at it and saw this weird little. It was a, a, a shot of the Polynesian, you know, which has all the watercraft and everything. Yeah. A weird, tiny little round boat. I was like, "What in the world is this? I've never seen anything like it before." It looked like a large round tub with a canopy on top of it. Uh, so I started doing some research, reached out to some friends, and found out it was called the Bob Around Boat. And researched everything about it you know it, it was something you could rent mm-hmm. at uh the magic not the magic kingdom the contemporary the polynesian the walt disney world village which is now disney springs uh just like any other watercraft and it was a round boat with a motor it had an eight track tape in it and apparently it was incredibly hard to steer uh-huh. people it stuck out in the middle going in circles because it was a round boat yeah they couldn't get back they had to have disney cast members come out with another boat and tow them back mm-hmm. to shore. But it's like this little vanished piece of Walt Disney World history. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send you the link once we're done for the article I did on the Bob Brown boat. Okay. Because it's fantastic. And I'd written an article for the Bob Brown for uh, when I wrote for Mice Chat, which is a huge Disneyland-focused website. I wrote for them for about a year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. And after publishing my article, I got contacted by Bob Gurr, who is an Imagineer that worked directly with Walt Disney. Basically, at Disneyland, if it has wheels on it, Bob Gurr built it and designed it. Whoa. He built all the old Altopia cars, all the Main Street um, vehicles. Mm-hmm. He pretty much designed them. He designed the first couple of monorails at Disneyland. Wow. Was responsible for it. So he said, oh, yeah, here's all my files on it if you want to get some more history on how I helped them design this boat. Oh, and we just like another one called the Bob Long Boat, which was in prototype and never went very far. Here are the photos we have of it. And it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I love. It's it's when you run across little things and then people come out of the woodwork and talk to you. And it's like, yep, here's some information on it. Here's something else. Or or you get to talk to that Disney Imagineer that 
you never expected to talk to mm -hmm. or some famous person at Disney, something yeah. like that. Well, it's so Very cool exciting. because they, you know, they're constantly changing the parks, you know, so there's always stuff like that, that, you know, maybe wasn't the best design or idea because it didn't work so well. And, you know, they got rid of it pretty quick, but those are fun stories. And then I think they do a good job of keeping, you know, they keep the stuff like the old nostalgic stuff, but then they're also very um, aware of or always looking for new stuff and new technology and, sure. and changing stuff too, you know, which is what makes it have such a great history because there's so yeah. much stuff in there. And plusing the old technology, um, uh, something silly that was done a couple weeks ago is one of the signs in Tomorrowland was replaced and it looks just like a sign from the 70s oh. in Tomorrowland. So everybody's like, yay, Tomorrowland's going to go back to what it looked like mm -hmm. uh, originally. And, you know, talking to some of the Imagineers that designed it, you have to realize the new ones, the Imagineers, we're like on the fourth generation of Imagineers now. Yeah. Like, you know, the first ones that did Disneyland and the ones in the 70s, the one in the 80s, and now the ones that are like us that grew up on Disney. So they are designing these parks based on their nostalgia yeah. as well, which is fascinating to me because uh, I went to lunch with uh, some of them at the Columbia Harbor House. Mm -hmm. That's at Liberty Square. Went to lunch. Uh, they were like, hey, let's go to lunch. I'm like, sure. Yeah, I'll go right. to lunch with you guys. <laughs> and we're just hanging out talking about stuff. And they're like – have we been in this dining room? Let's, oh, we need to send somebody over to photograph the wallpaper because this might be original wallpaper. Wow. You know, so they were just as excited as I was, you know, as us Disney nerds are about this sort of thing, mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, and I know they're the ones that are now designing, you know, all the stuff that's changing at Epcot and all the stuff at the Animal Kingdom and then the new Magic Kingdom stuff. So mm -hmm. their heart's place, but, but I agree with you, you know, Disneyland is that weird place where it's been around since 1955. People don't want to see it change, but you've got to bring in new stuff. Yep, totally. You know, I, I love the idea of the Star Wars land, but uh, it probably should have been over at the uh, California park. Yeah. You know, just I yeah. hate I hate to see what they did to <laughs> Disneyland, but, you know. Yeah, well, I think it's tough, in, especially in Anaheim, because they have no room here. You know, so that's probably just a practical reason for that, I guess. But who knows? It makes sense. There's just yeah. no space there. So And that, um, what is it, the Tower of Terror that they just turned into the Guardians oh. of the Galaxy ride? Like that, when that was happening, everyone's like, oh, man. Like they were so upset that they were getting rid of Tower of Terror, changing the theming. But now mm -hmm. that it's done, everyone's like, wow, it, it's way better. It was like yeah. it was meant to be like this. Yeah, when they put the money into it, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, nobody does theme park rides like Disney. So, yeah, you know, except for Universal when they throw a lot of money at it, like yeah. Harry Potter. So, <laughs> yeah, Universal has like potential, but they're not their whole park is like put together like that, at least here in California. Yeah, the same way as the main park and the main Universal park. Yeah, Islands of Adventure is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the second park, I know you've visited it before. It was when it was built and designed, it was basically Imagineers that were let go from Disney that got hired by Universal Creative. Oh. So it is the best non-Disney Disney park that's ever been built Yeah, in my mind. And mm -hmm. if you look at the uh, concept art for it, a lot of that concept art came for stuff that was thrown away for Animal Kingdom. Oh, interesting. So the, the Dueling Dragons coasters was supposed to be at Animal Kingdom. Oh, no, got moved over to Orlando. Wow. I mean, to Universal. Yeah. So, yeah, they they did a lot of fantastic work there. Huh. So, interesting. A lot of that.
cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about how the because you mentioned that like Disneyland and Disney didn't really invent anything new; they just kind of yeah did new stuff to existing yeah. things. So what what like what is that about? What did they kind of okay. do, and how did that all work? You know, you hear in all of Disney's PR with all of their rhetoric, like they say about the monorail, the first daily working monorail in the Western Hemisphere. So they they put the right, they predicated the proper way, basically. But if you look in the 1890s here, I can't remember what year it was, 1890s, early 1900s, at uh, one of the world's fairs, there was a daily working monorail. It only lasted for six months because that's as long as the uh, world's fair was. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, you know, they didn't do the very first one. They just perfected it. Yeah. Uh, if you look at animatronics back at the uh, Chicago World's Fair, uh, that one in the 1930s. And like I said, if, if anybody gets upset because my date's wrong, I've just got so much stuff up here. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to, you know, get it all out. You. But yeah, OK, just this one time. <laughs> yes. Just this one time. But, you know, there was a there were some wax museums and horror museums back at the time, not like, you know, Halloween Horror Nights like we know now. Mm-hmm. But they were they were fully uh, articulated wax figures that moved and had soundtracks to them. Oh, so sort of the same idea controlled by audio cues and other things, but just not at the same level that Disney did. Right. And I tried to find it before we got on the air, but I couldn't find the exact date. But the Carousel of Progress, mm-hmm. you know where the the uh, audience rotates around the stage? Right. It was a 1920s World's Fair where they had done the exact same thing. Oh, wow. They had a show that rotated around. I love Disney. I'm not bashing on them. Well, yeah. You know, they are amazing. Mm-hmm. But you got to look, gotta dig deep into the history yeah. of what you see and what you what you read about. Um, that's that's one of my favorite things is uh, just looking back and tracing the lineage of attractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a I did a YouTube video, a couple of them, but one on the history of dark rides because basically a dark ride is anything that's inside a building, like uh, Peter Pan is a dark ride. It's oh, a small. Okay. Yeah, it's a small world as a dark ride, even though it's not dark. Right. Anything that's enclosed inside the building is called a dark ride. Hmm. So I, I did a look at the history of dark rides and how we got from old Tunnel of Love rides and old rickety Haunted Mansion rides, where a Haunted House rides, where you would sit in a little cart and you would roll over wires, and that would make stunts happen, like skeletons would fly at you. Or okay. they, would hang, they would hang thread from the ceiling so you <clears> felt like you were going through a cobweb. Yep. You know, it's were huge in the 20s and the 30s. Um, and that's what led to the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, rides like the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean all have the same ancestry. And they just, you know, Disney just took it and blew it out of the water. Yeah. You know, absolutely went crazy with it. So and it's kind of like he, Disney just had, you know, the idea to do this. And then they kind of had more they just hired like the best people in all these different industries that come together and create this like ultra park and they had you know maybe a bigger budget than most of these other guys did you know <laughs> a lot bigger budget yeah yeah and 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 the ability too with television and everything else and the advent of the baby boomer generation to have people travel to southern california mm. so i mean that was a big part of it too right yeah this history is a deep dark web 
you get lost down there forever and ever and ever. But but yeah, like you said, I don't I don't you know I'm not bashing Disney. I just always like people to take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. You know, I've traveled all over the country visiting amusement parks and theme parks. Um, you know, one of my favorite areas of the country is Pennsylvania because they have perfect examples of sort of like the chronology of theme parks. Hmm. There's a there's a park called Knobles, K-N-O-E-B-E-L. Mm-hmm. It's in the coal country of Pennsylvania. It's what theme parks or what amusement parks were at the very beginning. So a smattering of flat rides, they had a few coasters, uh-huh. but there was there was no gate. It's not fenced in. Right. Uh, there's campgrounds. You can walk in and you're buying your ticket for each individual attraction. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like what the beginning of an amusement park actually looked like. Yeah. And it's amazing. The best amusement park food I've ever had in my life was at Knobles. Oh, really? Hands down. Second best is Dollywood. Oh. First is Knobles. Yeah, first is Knobles. Yeah. So, And then also in Pennsylvania, they've got Kennywood, which we already talked about, which is sort of like uh, an amusement park from the 50s or so. It's, it's, it's fenced in. You're paying one admission. They still have a lot of flat rides. They're making the transition to roller coasters and other amusement parks, but it's still not quite what Disneyland is. And then you can go to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, and you have a modern amusement park. So in that park, you've got the history of amusement parks right there in Pennsylvania. Very cool. Which is fascinating to me. Yeah. 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 That is cool to have them all right there. So mm-hmm. are there many of these kind of, I don't know, like let's say here in, in Southern California, like if I wanted to go experience kind of the, maybe what a roller coaster was or what a theme park or what an amusement park kind of was, is there a place that I can go or anything off the top of your head? Oh yeah. There's one that's, oh, in Northern California called, oh, I think it's called Boardwalk. Uh, there's, there's a fantastic website. Everybody can then go to called rcdb.com, which is the roller coaster database. Oh, nice. And it basically lists every roller coaster, but it also lists every park. Okay. And um, yeah, see, California's Great America is in Santa Clara. That's a great park to go to. Um, oh, yeah, see, okay. Is Beverly Park, is that one gone? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so there's one. There was one in Beverly in Los Angeles called Beverly Park, which the your readers, your listeners can research. That's one of the parks Walt Disney went to to oh. get the ideas for uh, Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right now there are 75 parks listed in California. Some are defunct, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them that that would do that. I'm, I'm going to have to send you a list. Because I don't know if I, there's one called Fiesta Village Family Fun Park, which opened in 1974, which is probably close. Okay. But still, yeah, there's a lot. Let me – I know. You can cut out the uh, – yeah, one that was opened in 1946 in Sacramento called Thunderland Amusement Park. So still operating. Cool. Fun so- Town at Mickey Grove and Lodi still operating. So you can, you're still probably going to get them away from Southern California. You're probably going to have to go – a little bit more north to see those. Okay. Yeah. People can always email me. I'll help them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm not a travel agent. No, I'm not a travel agent. So. Right. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's cool. I'd be interested to like see that kind of stuff. But would it be, I mean, would I be seeing something similar to like when the, the Orange County Fair rolls into town? A little bit. Yeah. They're going to have some of those rides, but uh-huh. 
These are going to be permanent installations. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit higher quality. Um, the roller coasters are going to be safer. Yeah, I'm always too afraid to ride the roller coasters at the fairs. Um, <laughs> they don't look too <laughs> too sturdy. Dicey. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you'll see is you'll you'll get an idea of what it was like before Disneyland because of uh-huh. course Disneyland changed everything when they opened in 1955 because you you know you had the advent of uh, Six Flags over Texas. Mm-hmm. There's a theme park in outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, because I used to live in North Carolina. And the uh, the the owner, the builder, E. Pat Hall, went to Disneyland in the '60s and came back and said, "I think Charlotte needs something like this." Mm-hmm. So he opened a park based on the Disneyland model. Right. Uh, Kings Island was, you know, uh, Roy Disney himself, Walt's brother, consulted with them on how to build it. You know, so wow. you had all these parks that were built in the '70s to capitalize on Disneyland's success. Yeah, which is weird how it happened in the seventies. I can't explain that. You had you had a handful in the late fifties, a handful in the sixties, but it really exploded in the seventies. Hmm. All these uh, Marriotts, Great America parks, the Six Flag parks it was very strange. Huh, maybe it was the it, mobility. Do you think it has something to do with Disney World opening up? Maybe uh, potentially, okay. but they all they all claim Disneyland as their role, as opposed to Walt Disney World opening in seventy one. They almost always refer to Disneyland. I'm, I'm assuming it's just uh, transportation became easier, cross-country transportation. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a sociological treatise in and of itself from there. So, But yeah, even if, if you look in the late 50s, there were all these kiddie land parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're trying to capitalize on Disneyland's success too. Little one-acre, eight or nine different little spinny rides because of the baby boomers. And they were all – you know, cowboys and Indians. Oh, very okay. politically, very politically correct. Yes, yes. really, because <laughs> that was all the rage. Huh. So, so I yeah. mean, but like now, it seems like parks are kind of getting up to the Disney level almost, especially with the Universal and stuff, where it has that same level of attention to detail and cleanliness, and you really feel like you're mm-hmm. in like another world. But was do you know if these parks, like the Kitty Lands and and those kind of things, did they really have that level that Disney was no. at? They didn't have the spark and the magic. It was there to make a quick buck. Yeah. And it was the popular. And like I said, it would have been like a parking lot set up mm-hmm. with a handful of small little rides that uh, a couple with a four or five or six-year-old would take on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It wasn't a visit like that. I mean, if you look at the big parks now, um, you know, Dollywood is a fantastic example. People ask me my favorite park it's always the Magic Kingdom just because it's sort of like – it's just – it's my favorite park. Second is Dollywood you oh, know, really? in eastern Tennessee uh-huh. uh, in, in Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg just because it's got a long history. But when um, Hirshend Entertainment worked with Dolly Parton in 1986 to turn it into Dollywood, she stepped in sort of like Walt Disney did. This is my park. I'm investing money in it. I want it to look this way. Mm-hmm. She had that same philosophy. Oh, cool. You know, but you don't, yeah, you don't get that with the Six Flags parks. You don't get that with the Cedar Fair parks, you know, which are Cedar Point, Knott's Berry Farm, King's Dominion, King's Island. You know, it's those are those regional parks. Right. And that's the one thing Dollywood is just mm-hmm. spectacular. If you ever get a chance, you will love it. The food is amazing, the entertainment is top notch. And they have seven world-class roller coasters there. Okay. It's it's great. It's That's great. Cool. So, 
Dollywood's a great park, and you can stay really cheap in a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. Oh, really? Very cheap. Yeah, like usually like $50, $60, $70 a night. Wow. And take four friends with you because it'll be like four-bedroom cabins. You got (laughs) it. You got it. (laughs) Dang. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I highly recommend Dollywood. It's, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You got to get over the, you know, the country and Western and hillbilly tropes, but that's okay. Yeah. So is Dollywood considered a theme park then? Dollywood would be a theme park because she has themed it to different, um, hmm, different eras of the country. Oh, like there's a, there's a 1950s era Mm -hmm. with hot rods and then there is a, uh, oh, it's called Craftsman Valley, which is one of the original parts of the park from the seventies. That is themed more Appalachian, and she's just there. I think it's called Wildwood Grove. They're opening a new area for kids, which is going to be based on you know more fantasy. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's got a big butterflies, so yeah. Okay, but yeah, the Dollywood would be a theme park. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd never been there, so I didn't know about that. But so is it? I mean, I went on their website, and it didn't seem like Dolly Parton is really the face of it anymore like i mean her name is still in it but was was it at any point was it like her signature it was as, okay yeah and, the, and probably in the late 80s and early 90s i think she was much more heavily involved she was at the, the opening of all the rides mm-hmm. um, every year in pigeon forge which is close to her hometown where she grew up they have a, a homecoming parade and she was always the grand marshal until last year mm-hmm. i think with her age i think it's getting a little bit more difficult yeah. uh, she had an apartment um, and she had an apartment in the park, just like Walt Disney did. Right. Uh, of the Apple, Apple Jacks, uh, place, which is now closed and they tore it down, but you know, they just built a huge hotel. They invested $300 million in it over the past four or five years. It's, it's a great resort. It okay. really is. But yeah, you're right. I think they're sort of, and I think she knows it. They're sort of, you know, keeping her name there and keeping her philosophy behind it because mm-hmm. they are the friendly the friendliest cast members are Dollywood and Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana, okay. that I've ever visited. And Holiday World is is the is one of the uh, the original theme parks that was open in like the uh, uh, when when did they open that in the twenty the thirties? Can't remember offhand, uh-huh. but it was the Christmas themed. And right. now they've added Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Fourth of July. Nice, different rides and different coasters and things like that. So that yeah, it's like a fun place to visit. Yeah. 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 That's what, that's what I would spend my time before I moved here. Yeah. When I lived in the middle of North Carolina. I'm going to drive to Cincinnati and keep that as my base and go visit coaster parks and then drive to Virginia or, you know, drive to Atlanta mm-hmm. and just visit, visit parks. Yeah. Sweet. Doing. So wow. I like holiday world. <laughs> that's, that's a cool concept. Yeah. So was it initially just a kind of a, a winter park? Like a Christmas park? No, no. Not, it's round? a Christmas park. No, not, not year-round because, you know, Indiana, southern Indiana, tons of snow. Like oh. a normal park it would close okay. and after Labor Day. Okay. You know, and now they've extended the park hours like everybody does for Christmas celebrations and Halloween celebrations. But it originally started off as just a Christmas park mm-hmm. because it's based in Santa Claus, Indiana. And the owners, the Cock family, they were like, we should build a park yeah. to celebrate it so kids have a place to go. Mm-hmm. And meet Santa Claus. And that's what they did. And it just grew up. The family still owns it. Um, I think it's the the grandchildren are in charge of the park now. And they love it like a family business. It's it's just like Disneyland was probably when Walt was there. Okay. People, everybody picking up trash. Everybody's super friendly. And Holiday World, free soda. 
Ooh. completely free soda. Wow. They do not try. They don't charge for parking. They don't charge for soda. They just charge for admission and food, and they have free sunscreen. Oh, that's nice. I appreciate 30 that. Thirty SPF sunscreen. Yeah, you just walk right up, slather it on, and keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a trend we'll see in smaller parks too. Uh, Kentucky uh-huh. Kingdom has that the uh-huh. free the free uh, sunscreen. But I talked to the owners of Holiday World, and they're like, "Oh, it's the free soda." It's it's nothing. People love it so much mm-hmm. that they rave about it. It's such a small thing, a small cost. Yeah. And it's fantastic. That's great. So, yeah, it's it's a wonderful park. Their customer service is off the chart. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, so. that's good to hear. That is the thing <laughs> with like how crazy expensive it is just to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, where these and and you know, Universal's less expensive, but the same, you know, pretty expensive. Whereas these not, other parks, not you know. like it used to be. I mean, I mean, Universal, it's the same price now, is it's not quite as expensive as the Magic Kingdom, I guess. The Magic Kingdom is the most expensive park with like was like 110 to 118 dollars a visit now. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an annual pass, which is insane, right? Absolutely insane, but. You know, I can remember my first visit to the Magic Kingdom, and it was like, oh, yeah, $35. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe it costs $35 to get into this park. Yep. And now it's like, oh, yeah, $35 won't buy you a decent meal mm-hmm. at any of the Disney parks. But SeaWorld, Busch Gardens, Tampa, um, Walt Disney World, the Universal Parks, Disneyland, Universal Hollywood, they are all – they're at that same echelon, that same level. Yeah. You know, right around a hundred dollars per day, and you know, family of four going to Disney for a day. Uh, that's I don't know about you, but that's half my mortgage right there. Right? Yeah, it's pretty pricey. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's pricey. So, yeah, which is why I like being a local. I, I got out my show and tell. I don't yeah, know people can't see that, but so the Disney World and uh, Pass, nice. Bush Gardens, Sea World Pass, nice. Universal Orlando Pass. Got that one. Dollywood Pass. Oh, yeah. My Dollywood Pass. Six Flags Pass. Perfect. Still current. That's like 16 parks across the country. Oh. And C- Cedar Fair Pass, mm-hmm. which is Cedar Point and all those as well. And then my American Coaster Enthusiast card. Oh, nice. Because I am a card-carrying member of ACE, of the American Coaster Enthusiast. They do a, they do a bi-monthly magazine called Roller Coaster. Uh-huh. Which is awesome. Talks yeah. about upcoming coasters, designers, builders, history of coasters. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. But that, that's always my party trick. It's like, yeah, I think with this, I can get into like 50 parks across the country. Man, that's cool. These cars. You can go anywhere. That's what I, what I love doing. Yeah. That, that's my thing. That's good stuff. That's my thing. That's what you appreciate. Yep. Yeah. Have you been to uh, any of the Legolands? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did go to the Legoland here in Central Florida because uh-huh. uh, that used to be Cypress Gardens. Oh, which was okay. The original, like, not original, original, but one of the original tourist attractions for Central Florida. Mm-hmm. It was opened up, what, 30, 40 years probably before Disneyland, I mean, Walt Disney World opened. Whoa. And yeah, so it it was where, you know, whenever you see like the Go-Go's video where they're uh, the music, uh, music band, the Go-Go's, the girl mm-hmm. band, yes. they're on um, – Water skis, vacation, I think is what it's called, vacation. Oh, no, anyway, that, they, that was a throwback to Cypress Gardens oh. where they had the ski shows, the water ski shows. 
because that's what the family was known as. Uh-huh. Basically, uh, um, they had a, a, a botanical garden, and one day a bunch of, uh, I don't know which branch of the military it was, Marines, Army, during World War II showed up and was like, well, hey, we want to be entertained. So they grabbed their family members and mm-hmm. did a water ski. <laughs> and then the very next day, more showed up. And so that started the Cypress Gardens. Uh, and to this day, I, I was there last year, and they do a Lego uh, ski show, which was incredible. Oh, nice. That's cool. I, it's for five-year-olds, but I was completely captivated with it. <laughs> but, yeah, so the Lego land here is one half the park is like Legos, and the other half of the park is the old historic Cypress Garden, which is a walking botanical garden. Oh, okay. So they, they get that history. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I love going to Legoland. I mean, I can't fit in two-thirds of the rides because, you know, I'm six foot tall. And, you know, but they got coasters. Yep. And I can do the family-style attractions as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I don't have the Legoland pass. I guess I'll go get that. Oh, and, I, and I, that's right. I didn't show you my Fun Spot pass. A fun Spot. Oh, okay. So I've got all passes. Fun Spot's a family entertainment center, which is like a permanent carnival. Oh. Yeah. So they've got coasters, dark rides, go kart rides, mm-hmm. you know, nice. those sort of things. You find them all over the country too. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. Can... I interviewed a um, a Lego builder guy, and he Ooh. had a um, a lifetime pass to Legoland here. And well, of course, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's I met a guy, yeah, a, a Lego designer. I don't can't remember what his first name. I think it was Jason, but he's just like, yeah, all I do all day is sit and play with Legos. Yep. That really is my job. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. See, if I had that job, I'd like, what would you build today? I built a square. Yep. <laughs> I had a leg. <laughs> I built a box. Yeah. Like, yeah, you fired. You right. can't do the Legos. Not a Lego <laughs> designer. Not at all. So. Yeah. But it's cool stuff. <laughs> um, so you're into, like, what's your coaster count now? Uh, my coaster count is only 140. And I, I preface that with only uh-huh. because we have friends that uh, uh, have traveled all over the world and are in excess of eight, 900 coasters that they've ridden. Oh, whoa. But, you know, I was thinking about the other day and most people, you know, it's called like a coaster credit. You know, okay. every time you ride a coaster, you get a credit because right. they're all different, all unique. And, you know, most people in their lives have probably only ridden about 20 coasters. You know, the Disney coasters like Big Thunder Mountain, mm-hmm. Space Mountain, their local park like yeah. Carowinds or Six Flags or Magic Mountain is going to have a handful of coasters. So, yeah, most people haven't ridden that many coasters mm-hmm. at all. So, yeah, 140 is a big number, but that's just me. So, like when I'm going in June to the Coaster Con, that will add potentially another 27 coasters to my list. Ooh. With Magic Mountain has 19 and Knott's has uh, – 10, which I've already ridden two of them because I'd visited a while ago. Okay. Before I, before I was coaster crazy. Right. <laughs> oh, I had like three years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah. just got to do a little traveling. You got to be able to do a little traveling. Yeah. Geez, I didn't even think there would be 900 or more coasters like in existence. That seems cr- like a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, in the United States, we probably have uh, current coaster counts probably over a thousand. You know, with all the different parks and everything, that's probably not that high. Probably close to 800 or so. But if you look at a place like China, mm-hmm. where they will have, you know, I think they built four or 500 coasters over the past two years. 
So that's what you have to do. You have to travel. You have yeah. to travel. I, yeah, I have friends that went to Europe for three weeks, and all they did was visit European theme parks. Whoa, fun. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure my work would give me more than a week off vacation, though. Yeah. I well, said, maybe wow. if you explain to them the situation of what you're going to do, then yes. they'll understand. How important it is. Yes, yeah. how important it is. So, <laughs> And a lot of these theme parks in Europe are the ones that influence Disney. Yeah. You know, like Tivoli Gardens and other things like that. He visited them in the 50s, and that's where he got his ideas and, mm-hmm. you know, about cleanliness and about showmanship and about what he wanted to do with the park. Right. So, well, I mean, that's the smart thing to do is to see what's out there and use existing mm-hmm. ideas and just improve upon them. That's what everybody does, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to go. So. Totally. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, with, with, with riding the coasters, some coasters I will ride over and over and over and over again. Some of them I will ride at once to get the credit because it's going to hurt me or <laughs> it's going to make me sick or I'm not going to enjoy it. Uh-huh. And I can pretty much tell by the manufacturer of the coaster or by looking at it yeah. what it's going to do. You know, because uh, I, think, I think my favorite coaster right now is Mako at SeaWorld. Oh, which okay. is uh, which is called a hyper coaster because it goes more than two hundred feet. Oh, and Giga coaster goes over three hundred feet. Okay. Um, and uh, my favorites are usually don't have loops in them. I don't like the loops, mm-hmm. um, but I like the ones with lots of air times and lots of hills where you feel yourself. It's called ejector air time where you feel yourself getting thrown out of the seat and you float yes. for a little bit. Those yeah. are my favorite. And and Mako is a great one. Um, I know there's a few at Knott's Berry Farm, and uh, I'm excited about Magic Mountain. Try yeah. some of those. There's oh. some crazy stuff there. Yeah. There's there as many coaster manufacturers as there are car manufacturers and different brands and different types. Mm-hmm. Being inverted. I mean, there's all different types of coasters. Yeah, it's so. really crazy the stuff that they're coming up with now where it's like, mm-hmm. are, do you think we're kind of hitting the the limit of like the possible like – exertion well, on a human to be that's in what a- i was gonna say yeah it's the threshold of the human body i mean yeah. when they first made roller coasters and you know it's like can we withstand this is mm-hmm. there you know is this possible the, the very first the oldest coasters are uh are russian ice slides from the late 1700s uh uh-huh. one uh, zarina's catherine i think they would they would build three or four story high um ramps and they would sort of wet them down and let them freeze, and people would slide down them. Oh, nice! You would climb upstairs, you would slide down it. Uh-huh. Um, they got then they were transported to France, and they were called Russian mountains. And then they sort of died for a while, and then they they came back, as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But even then, with the first, you know, loops, are people going to survive this? Can they survive the speed? Yeah. You know, how many G's can you pull in a coaster before you yeah. black out? Uh, I prayed out. Um, Intimidator 305 at King's Dominion has a massive hill, 305 feet. So it's not the tallest coaster I've ever done, mm-hmm. but it's super fast. Yeah. And I come down that first hill and just the world slowly got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and grayed out by the time I hit the bottom of it. Oh, and man. What was uh, – I go to Dragon Con, which is in Atlanta. It's like Comic-Con. Uh-huh. But it's – They've been doing it for like 20 or 30 years, and I do panels there, mm-hmm. uh, usually about Disney, uh, Disney history and stuff like that. But I was on a roller coaster panel, and they invited an actual jet fighter pilot to be on the panel with me. Uh-huh. And he said, yeah, a lot of those coasters pull just as many Gs as you are in a fighter 
uh, a jet plane and they are there putting your body when you twist and turn and bank and curve they're putting you through the exact same thing and like we have specially designed suits we wear to keep you from getting clots oh, and sure. hemorrhages and stuff like that so I think it's I think it's like length yeah you can't be on a roller coaster too long mm-hmm. you know it can't go you know most of them probably hit about I think what's the fastest when I was in Abu Dhabi it's 140 miles per hour damn I think it's the this coaster now 140 miles per hour and uh, Fury 325 in Carowinds goes 95 miles an hour and that's fantastic uh-huh. it is a Taking, I mean, literally, it's a breathtaking coaster. Yeah, you hit you up 325 feet in the air, and by the time you reach the bottom of that hill, you're going 90 to 95 miles an hour. A hot day, the track's hot and the grease is hot. You will go faster. (laughs) So you'll go much, much faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. I I feel like there's a good, at least for me, there's a. I like the. uh, like I went on X two at Knox or at uh, Six Flags, and that was just yeah, like, yeah. that was too much for me. That was okay. crazy. But okay. I like uh, Silver Bullet at Knott's Berry Farm. Love it. Silver love Bullet it. is, um, I think that's the one that's uh, it's a B and M coaster. I think it's suspended. Yeah, yeah. Your so, feet are hanging down. Yeah. Yeah, your feet are hanging down. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pulling up the Knott's Berry page on Roller Coaster Database. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so I've ridden Silver Silver Bullet, and I've ridden Accelerator. Yes, that one's Accelerator is the one that takes you up. Like it, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the baby version of um, Top Thrill Dragster at Cedar Point and King Daka at the Six Flags Park. Oh dear God! Uh, yeah, yeah. Top Thrill Dragster is the one that takes you three hundred and twenty, and King Daka goes like four hundred and something feet straight up. It, you know, does that uh, linear induction motor where it's magnets underneath it. So instead oh. of having a lift hill, uh-huh. they just they just reverse the polarity on the magnets and zoom yeah zero to 105 or 120 in less than six seconds Whew. straight up you're at the top and then you crest down uh when i when i rode top thrill drags or cedar point i mean it's a 30 second ride mm-hmm. by the time it starts it's done you're like oh that was great but you know they also have millennium force at cedar point which goes barely crest 300 feet so it's a giga coaster and that's like wow this is pretty high you go to the top of um, Top Thrill Dragster, you look over, and they go, "Oh wow, Millennium Force is so small." What are we? <laughs> it's it's over in a heartbeat. So yeah. definitely try it. Yeah, if you get to Cedar Point, if you uh, get out to Six Flags, the one in New Jersey, Six Flags America. Anyway, it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. You got to try these coasters. They're try so much em. fun. Yeah, just try them. If you don't like it, then don't go on it again. Right. That's, that's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've never um, gotten sick on one, never gotten sick. So mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little scary about them. Have, they're wearing special suits though to, you know, yeah. prevent injury. And then they just throw hundreds of people on these things every day. Yeah. But be, yeah, because you're just, you're on it for such a short time period and it's such yeah, yeah. a slow, you know, a, 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 it's, it's all at once and there's no buildup. Mm-hmm. So I, I think your body just has time to get over it and then, then you're done. But right. I think about that every time. It's like, wow, okay, this is what jet fighters pilots go through. Yep. So, okay. And we're like, well, I guess, you know, they probably figured it out. They wouldn't put us on something unsafe, but that's what the yeah. people in 1910 thought probably. Yeah, that's probably what they thought too. We're not going to, you know, that flip-flap railroad people and that first, they broken necks. Yeah. You Ooh. know, that they, 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 I don't remember where I read it, but people had done studies and they, based on the designs, they think they pulled about 12 Gs on that thing. 
Whoa. It was incredibly small and incredibly tiny, but because it was a circle, yeah. when people got around it, it was pulling. And I can't remember where it was mm-hmm. that I had read a paper on it. And they're like, yeah, this was probably one of the worst coasters ever designed. Man. Yeah, and it is... didn't last for, I think, more than a season or two at Coney Island. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the multiple parks at Coney Island. So yeah, well, I'm sure there wasn't much thought to like the physics and you know the g-force of it. They just put it together and thought, you know, that looks like it'll go around there and people will yeah. stay in it. So let's do it. And they, they they tested it. Yeah, they would put things in the seat to make sure it didn't fall out, and they would eventually get to monkeys. Yes, they used monkeys. Ugh, oh. We won't talk about that. But they used monkeys oh before gosh. they put humans on it. Okay. And then they would test it with humans. Yep. You know, now it's there's so much science that goes behind it. Um, you know, Disney parks, mm-hmm. they don't let you bring selfie sticks in. Yes. Because if you have a selfie stick and you're on a ride and you're holding that sucker out and it's extended your reach another three to four feet, it could knock off, you know, a piece of the theming, hit somebody behind them. It could stop the ride. Mm-hmm. Disney, Disney has a... Uh, I can't remember what the name of it's called, but it's it basically measures the sphere of influence. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci has that famous painting of the Vitruvian Man, yeah, where it's the guy standing there with his you know legs spread out. He's got the circles around him. Mm-hmm. It's basically something like that that fits on all of the ride vehicles. Oh. So the once they design it, they do their computer, they put that on it, and they run it through. And if that hits anything, it stops the ride, and they re-engineer, redesign that part of the ride. Mm-hmm. So that you're out, it's outside of your sphere, your sphere of reach. Right. This is what it's called. That makes sense. All these, all these little things people just, you know, take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take your selfie stick on the rides, people. Yeah. No, you're going to hurt somebody or stop the ride and ruin the vacation for everybody else. Yep. So. It's messed up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, is there, are they kind of finding, well, for example, um, I think it was, the Harry Potter ride at Universal, mm-hmm. at least the one here, I think they like backed it off a little bit where it's not as crazy anymore. Is that, do you know For about the intensity? That? Which one is, are you talking about the Forbidden Journey, the one where you're on the bench or is this the Escape from Gringotts or? Uh, the one where you're in the castle and you're like on that arm thing and it's. Yeah, yeah, the Kuka arm. Yeah, yeah, the Forbidden Journey. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard about that one, but yeah, they've done that before where they yeah. have like Dinosaur at uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom. It's the same ride as the Indiana Jones ride. Mm-hmm. Same track layout, everything is the same, but it's a horrible ride. The <laughs> Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland is is amazing. Yeah, it's like the second or third best dark ride in the world. It's yeah. it's wonderful, but the same ride over at Disney's Animal Kingdom with different theming and different programming, uh-huh. and they actually had to bring that one. It was so violent because you know the car moves around and jerks you around. You go back in time to save dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. They uh, they had to dial that one down. Oh. You know? Wow, but I haven't I haven't read about the one in California, yeah. but it makes sense. You're on the basically the Kuka arm, K U K A. The Kuka arm is the robots they used to build cars. Oh, and it's, it's, a, it's a mobile base that can drive around. You know, and like you, you it, it holds you at the top, and it can move you, not quite 360 degrees around in a sphere, mm-hmm. but it can move you everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I, I some some rides I come off of that, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna need to sit down for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's just a little too intense, right? It's a little yeah. too intense. Yeah, so. they kind of have to make them where it's, it's like, you know, fun and extreme, but it's good for the majority of the population yeah. where they're not going to yeah. throw up afterwards. 
Yeah, the the mission space at Epcot. Did you ever do that one while you were here? You know here? what? I did. I went on that one. It was like when I was in Disney World when I was really young, went with my family, and that it wasn't yeah. really open, but it was like a pre-opening thing or oh, something. Oh, they're doing that a they soft did. opening. Yeah. yeah, and so we got to go on that thing, and it was it was awesome. See, like, it was crazy. That's, that's one that they've dialed down a couple times. Okay, because uh, you know it's centrifugal. It, it's hard to explain, but when you walk out, it's. Uh, you're basically being spun in a giant circle, just like at NASA when they do the astronaut training. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so they, they now have the two different sides, the orange and the green, and the green is the tame one. They yeah. stepped the green one down so much they actually introduced a new film for it. Jeez. Oh, and because, yeah, it's the orange one is so intense and gives you that true feeling of weightlessness mm-hmm. at several points during it. So, yeah, again, they've, they've set it out there. The attendance wasn't right. People complained. So they dialed it down or tried to make it more family friendly. Yeah. Well, I like that they did the the two sides at least where they have that. But even I went on it when I was in a couple years ago when I was in Disney World. And even the orange side felt like less than it was before. But that might just be me. When I was younger, I felt it was more intense maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's they may have dialed that one down too. Yeah. So I know for sure they dialed it. They've stepped it down like twice or three times to make it that much less intense. Yeah. So they give kids booster seats for that ride now for oh. that side. So yeah, they've, they've, they brought the intensity down enough for little kids to ride it. That's cool. So that's yeah. a really fun ride. It really it does is. feel like you are blasting off into space in that thing. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't ridden the orange side in a couple of years. I'll go back and do it. So <laughs> I've ridden the green one a lot more, but I'm like, eh, I just ate. Yeah. Maybe I'll wait and go do something else. So. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to ruin the rest of my day for this one? Yeah, just for this one ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. This is cool. I think we've talked most of this stuff. Um, oh, have you done any of the like uh, virtual reality coasters? Yes. Are those oh, pretty yeah, good? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, uh, I've done two VR experiences and, and uh, I'll talk about – there's one I just did a couple weeks ago that was amazing. Mm-hmm. But – uh, every year they have the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions show, mm-hmm. IAPA, which is based in Orlando. And they do it They do it all over the world, but they take over the Orlando, uh, the Orange County Conference Center. And it's like a convention for theme park and amusement park owners. Mm-hmm. You can go and see new rides. Uh, you know, virtual reality was huge a couple years ago. Everybody had that. And, yep. you know, it's where you can buy arcade games, cotton candy machines. It's, you know bounce houses uh-huh. or you can go stop at the you know Bollinger and Mablard booth and buy a 20 million dollar roller coaster <laughs> if you want to right. it's there got the money they'll talk to you so uh fun spot mm-hmm. uh which is one of the the uh, local uh family entertainment centers in, here in Orlando they have a coaster that's called Freedom Flyer and it's one that's suspended you hang underneath and your feet uh fly but mm-hmm. um Mock, which is a German coaster company, and they they build amusement rides. They were developing a VR system, and they tested it there, and they let all the IAPA people ride on it for free, Ooh. and it was fantastic. Yeah, it 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 was programmed beautifully. Uh, I've heard some hits or misses, like Six Flags did it two years ago, where they put VR on their coasters, right? And they did always sync up right, and they had a lot of complaints about it. It didn't seem to work well. This was smooth. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. So I think that's a great way to do it. Because at first I was like, oh, why are you going to put a – you're riding a coaster to ride a coaster. 
Yeah. Why put a VR helmet on? Mm-hmm. But after experiencing this, uh, you basically were in a, um, a, a space fighter. So, of course, it did all the banks and the turns and the swoops. Mm-hmm. It was perfectly timed. You, you had a little button on the helmet you could hit to fire lasers at the other things as it was going. It was really well done. Wow. It was really well done. So I, I, I think it was a flash in the pan because it takes too much time to load and unload. It takes too much time to maintain the equipment. Oh. It's neat. But obviously, Six Flags didn't keep up with it, so I don't think it's going to stay. Okay. But, but, but something that's close to you that you can do, because uh, you're in Southern California, it's called the Void. I think they oh. have it at Disney Springs. Have you done that, or they have it at, at D- downtown, downtown Disney? Disney. Yes, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. it. I haven't done it, but I've walked uh, by it. Uh, took the family as a surprise. Uh, uh-huh. My wife, fifteen year old, and his best friend. 35 bucks a piece. You know, I was like, oh, let's do this. I've heard great things about it. Uh-huh. Best 15 minutes of my life. It was better oh. than any roller coaster. It was better than any dark ride. It was better than you know, paying, you know, to go see a Star Wars movie. Uh-huh. It was that good and that visceral and that real. Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, you've played, you've seen people where they play the game, the floor's on fire, you know, and you oh. hop from couch to couch, you can't touch the ground. Right. There is a small section where uh, you're playing a stormtrooper, and when you see your, you know, you just have a helmet and you have a backpack mm-hmm. that has a computer, basically. Right. And when you use the goggles, you see your your friends or your whoever. They look like stormtroopers. It's you put you hold your hand up, and you are wearing stormtrooper armor on your hand. Right. It's crazy, but there's Ooh. a part where they they take you to Mustafar, which is the planet from. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, where mm-hmm. Anakin and Obi-Wan have their battle, the lava planet. Oh, right, and there's a part yeah. where they, they pull you out on this little edge and they're like, okay, get on this gangplank. And all four of us are going, oh my gosh, the floor is lava. We can't. And you know, they're watching everybody and laughing. Yeah. But it was that hyper realistic. It was awesome. And I got to shoot stormtroopers. I've wanted to shoot stormtroopers since I was six years old. Right. And I got to, it was, it was incredible. Okay. So if you have a chance to do the void, it's go take three. Uh, they do groups of four. Go take three friends with you. Mm-hmm. It it is well worth it. It is it's spectacular. Okay. It's amazing. That's it's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen that. I've, I've thought about trying it, but I wasn't sure if it was worth it. But now that it has your seal of approval, Even the glasses too. Oh yeah. The glasses were not a problem at all. You they put the helmet on and you tighten it, uh-huh. and as it tightens, it just gets real close, and it. I had no problem seeing anything. There were some big surprises in it. And like I said, you get to shoot stormtroopers. And my 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 accuracy range was at like 38%. So I would be a perfect stormtrooper. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's very case. true. I would be a perfect stormtrooper. I was missing half of them. And then my son was like, I was like, what's that feel? What What's wrong with me? He just grabbed the gun. At one point, they gave you guns to shoot rifles. And he was just shooting at me to see what would happen. <laughs> I'm like, great. Yep. Right. This is why we don't we don't have the Nerf wars any longer in the house because we get hurt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I like VR. I think VR could be neat, but you know, if you're there on a coaster, you're there for the coaster. But yeah. these VR experiences, like the Void and other things, uh, that's the future of themed en- themed entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're bringing the Nintendo Lands to Universal. Oh, uh, you heard about? Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, parts of Islands of Adventure and potentially a fourth park, and they're 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 building it now in Tokyo. 
Uh, Hayao Miyazaki. No, wait a minute. Uh oh. Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli. Oh, who's the guy who did Mario and Zelda? And well, anyway, the lead creator designer is working with them, and mm-hmm. he's been letting go with some of the stories. And they are talking similar VR where you're going to walk up and be able to punch a coin block. Ooh. Be able to do very specific things in a Mario world. I've heard rumors that um, the adventure area of Islands of Adventure is going to be turned into Zelda. Oh. Um, which would be fantastic. Be and, cool. you know, of course, Mario Kart, all heard the rumors about Mario Kart racing, but it's going to be crazy. They okay. can incorporate VR into that. It's going to be mind boggling good. It's going to be another Harry Potter, just Universal Take My Money. Mm hmm. Please yeah. take money, and and I've heard rumors about Star Wars Galaxy Edge that are pretty exciting too. So, it's there's going a lot coming up in the theme parks over the next couple of years. Is Star Wars yeah. Galaxy Edge is that the new ride in the Star Wars well, Land thing? Yeah, the, the, that's what it's going to be called in both parks, Galaxy's Edge. Oh, okay. So it's sort of like you are. I've heard lots of different rumors, but it's sort of like you know. The one here in Florida, there's a hotel that's going to be built right next to that area of the park, mm-hmm. and it's going to be super expensive. But you will be given <laughs> uh, clothing to wear when you're in the park. Oh, and you will be given like, um, uh, like if there's a family of four, mm-hmm. like they may come to you and say, you know, don't tell them, but you're the smuggler, and maybe your son is going to be a bounty hunter, and you'll have things to do in the park that will earn you credits. Like if your son's the bounty hunter, he's like, yeah, my dad's the rebel spy. If he tells the guards there, there's a play that's acted out. He gets he gets money put into his account for it. I mean, it's going to be very. There's going to be a lot of storytelling. Oh my gosh! A lot of so you can see guests like at Harry Potter wearing wizard robes. But they're going to be wearing Jedi robes. They're going to be dressed appropriately, and it's 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 going to be crazy good, crazy crazy good. Wow! So. I don't think I'll be able to afford it because I've I've heard it's upwards of fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars a night. Yowza! Experience, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be top of the right. But I'm so. sure they'll be booked. They'll have people. You know they will. Yeah. You know they will. So yeah, it's yeah the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They're, they're going to bring a lot of technology to that. The new Nintendo Land is going to have a lot of technology, and uh, I'm excited. It's yes. a really good time to be a theme park fan. Yeah, really time to be a theme park fan. I'm glad they are so, very, they're really embracing the new new technology and stuff because it has some has a lot of potentials. It's yeah. very cool. The uh, the flight of the banshee, which is in Pandora, it's sort of like a cross between Soren and the Simpsons ride, hmm. where you actually sit on the back of a banshee. It's oh. sort of like a motorcycle that you sit on. Mm-hmm. And it's so well designed that, you know, you're sitting on like a motorcycle, so your legs are resting around the body. And there's a part where you stop flying for a few minutes. And if you pay attention, you can feel the animal breathing underneath you. Whoa. They designed it that. It is, that's, the Flight of the Banshee is uh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's still an hour and a half, two hour wait for it because it's yeah. that good in the right. park, you know. But, you know. Yeah. I guess. Uh, they they need to keep doing experiences like that mm-hmm. is what they need to do because you know the new Toy Story Land is okay it's small it's like eleven acres mm-hmm. and it's only the Slinky Dog Coaster which is a great mock coaster perfect for the family mm-hmm. the Alien Space Saucer Swirls which is just like a 
teacups ride. Okay. And then you've got Toy Story Mania. So just three things in this land. They need to – I'm complaining now. They need to just do greater – bigger and greater stuff. Yes. Um, did you ever get to ride Spider-Man over at Universal? I did, yeah. Is that gone now? Okay. No, no. It's still there. It's still there. Okay. They've upgraded a few years ago. Hands down, that's probably the best theme park ride I've ever been on. Oh, wow. That is the top. I mean I, I love the Forbidden Journey. You know, the one inside the castle, mm-hmm. but it's a little too much. Okay. You can't take everybody on this ride. You can take anybody on Spider-Man. Yeah. But the way the way they use the characters, the way they use the real effects, you know, like the in and you know, real fire and things like that and real water and the way he right. moved it. I think for like twelve or thirteen years running, Spider-Man won, you know, best dark ride from the themed entertainment association. And wow. to me it's still still the best ride. Very cool. I've ever been on Indiana Jones and Flight of the Banshee battle for second and third place. Wow. Because they are that good. They are that good of rides. Yeah. You know, before then it was like Pirates and Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. Those are still my those are still my favorites. Yes. I still love going on those. Yeah. So yeah. But these are very different. Yeah. They are very different, very modern. I uh, took my son on for the first time a few months ago. And I think we read it like five times, to- wrote it five times. <laughs> nice. You know, I was like, yeah, we'll do Spider-Man one more time. That's yes. fine. So. <laughs> but he's 15, so that's what you expect. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's why these parks are getting so expensive, too, is because we expect this. We expect better and better and crazier stuff and this new technology. So yeah, that's what. But you get I mean, what you pay for, I guess. Spider-Man was probably like $120 million. Mm. Yeah. And uh, from what I understand, you know, it – Cost them probably close to a billion dollars, not quite three quarters of a billion dollars to open up Animal Kingdom in what ninety seven, and they pretty much spent a billion dollars building Pandora. Whoa! Yeah. So the amount of money that they're spending on Star Wars right now, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. As interactive as that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. It's cool so, stuff, though. It's good for us. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, <laughs> still got to pay for it. Yeah, very true. That that's why you have to buy a fourteen dollar churro. So <laughs> Yep. It all contributes to the new rides. That's what it is. You're donating. I think of it that way. You're yeah. donating for the new rides. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like that a lot. Um, cool. Well, okay, and then I also wanted to ask you about you talked to Diane Disney Miller. Oh yes. Yeah, that's right. We talked about that. That was one of my favorite moments. Um so uh, a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Jeff Curdy, mm-hmm. K-U-R-T-T-I. He's worked for Disney Imagineering. He worked for the Walt Disney Family Museum. He's worked for all these other places. Uh, Disney author. He wrote uh, the uh, Since the World Began, which is the f- first book on Walt Disney World history, covered the first 25 years. Okay. The guy's awesome. He's just all around great guy, lives in California. But he was working for the Walt Disney Family Museum, which is located in San Francisco, mm-hmm. because the Disney family, specifically um, Diane, wanted to have the museum away from L.A. and away from Disneyland so that she knew once she was gone and she wasn't in control, Disney wouldn't come in and go, we want this. Oh, so she moved, she moved far enough away. So long story short. Uh, Jeff Curdy was working with the museum and we've known each other for years and he just reached out to me and said, Hey, would you want to write something for, you know, the website? I was like, sure. He goes, okay. And then as I was living in North Carolina, 
I was in a Chuck E. Cheese restaurant because it was a birthday party for one of my kids' friends. Mm-hmm. I had a, I think it was before I had my first iPhone. I can't remember which one it was, but I was just randomly on a Saturday checking my email, and there was an email from Diane Disney Miller, and I can, I remember all of it so vividly. It was like, this is Walt Disney's daughter just emailed me. Whoa. So we emailed back and forth. We talked once over the phone, which was astounding mm-hmm. to talk to her. She's so gracious, so nice. She's like, oh, yeah, we just got back from a month-long family vacation in Hawaii. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and you know, Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I've seen pictures of Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we, we talked about um, – her family and her history, you know, I tried not to fanboy and salivate everywhere, mm-hmm. but she goes, okay, well, let me tell you a story that I haven't shared with anybody else and see if you can work it into something. Mm-hmm. And it was a story about, um, her mom and dad, you know, Walt and Lily, uh, cause when Walt and his brother Roy started the company that, you know, they were sort of, Roy had a girlfriend that lived in Kansas, I think. And, um, he brought her in and then Lillian, Walt's future wife was a friend of the family and just started working there. And she was a inker and paint paint girl. And then eventually was a secretary. Mm -hmm. And he said, one night we were looking over some documents and Walt just leaned in and kissed her. And that was the first kiss that they had. And she told me the whole story about it. And, you know, I'm furiously taking notes and trying to, you know, get her emotion down on it to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But the funniest part of the story is, what what Diane, the daughter, recounted to me was that her mom Lillian said, I think Walt kissed me and started dating me because I was a terrible secretary. <laughs> and he had to get me out of the business somehow. <laughs> so that was what she always said about it was, you know, he, yeah. he had to start dating, get me out of the Disney company itself. Right. But so I got to write an article for the Walt Disney Family uh, Museum blog, which is still up there. It was a Valentine's Day article. Oh. Just loved it. It's, it's my one claim to fame besides you know, riding 140 coasters. Right. So it was fine. It was nice to have a connection to, you know, the Disney family and get to talk to them and, mm-hmm. and, and be part of that for a little while. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. Fascinating. So. And that museum is yeah. really good. I, I visited there a few months ago. It's, it's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. I haven't made it out there yet. So I'm hoping to get out there when I'm in June, mm-hmm. just, you know, too busy visiting all these other parks. That's my excuse. Yep. Well, sticking to it. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Whew, cool. Well, right on, George. I you know, this is awesome talking about all this stuff. It's so fun. Yeah, we've been on the on this for a long time. But yeah. I could go on forever and ever and ever. If you ever want to do a sub series just about Disney history, we can actually just talk about Disney history if you want to. Yeah, that'd be cool. So yeah, or that. the you know, destruction of Walt Disney World. It's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating I'm, what they did and that they turn it into. So, okay. Yeah. I would love that. Cause I'm very, especially Epcot. I'm really curious about that too, about what it was supposed to be and then what it oh. kind of became. Yeah. I've got some interesting backstories about some of the designers they pulled in and mm-hmm. just got rid of them. They didn't like the ideas. So man. Okay. Okay. Let's we do another, talk. let's follow up. Let's do another one. Yeah. In a, in a bit. I got time. I got free time. So. <laughs> cool. Wow. That's a good cliffhanger. We'll get people to subscribe that way. You do it that way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. 
I'm not going to yeah. tell you when, but it's coming. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> cool. So um, I guess, again, just tell everybody where, you know, your website, social media, any of that sure. kind of stuff. Sure. You can pretty much find me on Imagine Earning on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, I do a lot of postings live in the parks on weekends. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're jonesing for some Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Universal, Bush Gardens, any of them, you know, find me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. I'm always posting photos there. Of course, my main site is imaginerding.com, and that's pretty much my hub. Everything links out from there. And as I mentioned earlier, sort of like two years now, I've been uh, doing YouTube, weekly YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. and it's changed a little bit. At first, it was all history and theme park related, but now I live there, and I've got my really cool Sony action camera I can take on the parks. I love this thing. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, I do a lot of live not a lot of live, but I do a lot of, you know, what I did this weekend at the park style, you know, come with me to Disney Hollywood studios and we'll just walk around and talk and look at things. Sweet. So love that. But I, I do, I'll send you the link so that you can promote it. Uh, yes. I did a, uh, um, article on the Walt Disney world books that everyone should read. Oh, so I did a bibliography, you know, I'm a librarian. A bibliography is a list of books. Mm-hmm. So I've done in my mind, what are the essential Essential, not essential. That's different. The essential, (laughs) essential Walt Disney World books, the history books, the art books, the concept art books, you know, so you can do a deep dive. You can share this with anybody that really wants to learn more about Walt Disney World history. Cool. You know, because I've done a few with Disneyland and Disneyland's got some amazing books. Mm -hmm. You know, if you find a copy of the Nickel Tour, it's the history of Disneyland through postcards. Okay. It is the best books ever done. Wow. Okay. Uh, two, uh, two late Imagineers, they both passed on, did it. And mm-hmm. it is spectacular. It's a cool tour. If you can never find it, grab a copy of it. Okay. Yeah. But that way, you know, it can create a list of uh, books that every Disney nerd needs to own, maybe. Yeah. Get them started on it. Right. Very cool. Yeah. yeah the history is oh. awesome. I love, I love, would love to read more on that. I read that the I know. really thick. Walt Disney uh, biography by like Walter oh. Isaacson, maybe. Uh, Neil Gabler. Neil Gabler, yes. Yeah, yeah, I read mm. that one. Mm. You're not a fan? Is uh, it not on the no, list? No, 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 no. That book is not on my list. It was. Uh, they closed the Disney archives after he visited. The Disney oh, archives geez. used to be more open to the public. Uh huh. Um, the Disney family has shunned the book. Um, the Disney company sells it in the stores because it's the most recent biography, Oh, but it's got, um, there's an author named Michael Barrier mm-hmm. who, uh, is basically studied animation his entire life. And he's written a book called the animated man about Walt, mm-hmm. which is a spectacular biography. The animated man by Michael Barrier talks about his work. And then the official, um, Walt Disney and American original by Bob Thomas which was a few years after he died, uh, looks more in his life. Okay. So there's other books that are better, but the Michael Barrier has a four or five page list of what's wrong with Gabler's book. Ooh. In- inaccuracies, problems, other things. So not a big fan of it. People love it, but uh, once you read more than one biography, you start to go, oh, yeah. Okay. Not quite there. So wow. again, I'll send you these links. I'll send you. Cool. I'll make a Disney nerd out of you. 
Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Too, so. <laughs> awesome. And I'll, all those links, I'll throw them in the, the show notes for anybody listening. Click on them easy okay. and, and get all that stuff too. So cool. Okay. Yeah. This well, has been uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. This is awesome. This stuff's so cool to talk about. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And like I said, hit me up when you want to do something again. Of Epcot. Course. Yes. I would love that. Awesome. Well, uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, are you going anywhere this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I've got fast passes for the Animal Kingdom. Right. On. So I'm doing that, doing that. And then I haven't decided what I'm doing much further. It's week to week. Mm-hmm. That's good. Week why tie week. yourself up? You're, why yeah. tie myself down to any one park when I've got, what, 10 of them to go to? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect, George. Well, have fun, all right? All right. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Hey, guys. Travis is here again. Um, so the podcast is over, it's done, so you can just leave right now, so don't worry about it. But I just had a couple things I wanted to mention and say to you guys. So first of all, thanks for listening to the episode or watching the episode, super appreciate that. Um, if you want to connect with me or in, in the podcast, uh, we're on, we have a website, it's called curiosityness.com. Um, curiosityness is C U R I O. S-I-T-Y-N-E-S-S. Kind of weird. Um, but that's what it is. Curiosityness.com. Uh, you can go there. We have an Instagram. Instagram.com slash curiosityness podcast. So not just curiosityness for the username. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Trav DeRose. T-R-A-V-D-E-R-O-S-E. If you want to find just me. Um, oh, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash curiosityness or on YouTube. Uh, I think just go to YouTube and search curiosityness and we'll pop up. Uh, I don't think we have a URL for that one. Sorry. Oh, and we have a, I have an email address, Travis at curiosityness.com. So if you want to email me, you know, give me your thoughts on the show, suggestions, tips, uh, maybe like suggestion for a new for a guest who could come on maybe yourself or somebody that you know who might be interested or or you would like to hear on the podcast let me know about that stuff i I would love to hear that um oh and then if you could leave a review too for the podcast that'd be super appreciated uh the reviews in like in apple podcast or spotify or whatever wherever you're listening to this super help um, just drop like a star, whatever star review. I won't tell you to do five, but it'd be nice. Uh, so drop a review. You can write a review even too if you want. That would be even better. Um, but that's about it. So thanks again for watching. I super appreciate you, you know, listening to the whole show and staying here. Um, and yeah, thanks again. Have a good day. Bye bye. <laughs>